You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We ate our, um, we ate our meal on Friday, and I cooked a ham for my very first time. Yes, you can clap. This <laughs> If you know me at all, you know she's not that much of a cook at all, and she just cooked a ham for a bunch of people. Of course, those that do cook are like, a ham's not that hard, Megan, so. It's not, but I did it, and I was scared, okay? So that's my, that's my miracle. <laughs> I'm going to start by reading uh, the resurrection story this morning, and um, then I'll talk about some, some things that God's been speaking to me about having me just become undone. So Luke 23 starts with Jesus at the cross. So as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Serene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. The days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs who have not borne a child and the breasts that have not nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed, He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with the words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon, and the darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women 
who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance behind watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in the new tomb that had been carved out of rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where, he, where his body was placed. Then they went home and they prepared the spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun. So they rested as was required by the law. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the son of man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, <laughs> so they didn't believe it. I feel like that could preach, but we'll do that another day. <laughs> However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Then I'm taking out a portion just for time, but then there were the men that were walking on the road to um, Emmaus, and Jesus appeared to them there, and they, they, they'd walked and talked with them, telling them that they were in deep sorrow, that they had lost Jesus. And then Jesus begins to talk to them and tell them about Scripture. And then he appears to them, and then he's gone. And they realize, had our hearts not burned in us, is what they said when he talked. We should have known it was him. Then in verse 35, it says, Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me, touch me, and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder, 
And then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. There's, there's so much to this story. It's not a story, it's a truth, but there's, there's so much to it. The, the death and what that meant and him paying for our sins and then him rising again so that we could live. But this past couple of weeks, maybe even month, I've been stuck in, in the part in between the cross and him rising from the dead. Those three days in between. What the disciples what Mary, what all of them were going through, the brokenness, the pain that they were feeling, that they didn't understand what was going on and what was happening in the middle. You think of Mary, and you think the fact that she was carrying Jesus, and she, was, and, and she knew that this, this, he's gonna be somebody, and then all of a sudden, he dies, and I can't quite grasp what's taking place or the women that were outcasts in society nobody wanted to talk to them some wanted them dead and Jesus took the time Jesus sat down with them when people wanted to condemn them of their sin Jesus sat down he found them Or you think of the lepers, think of the lepers. They couldn't even be around people. They had to yell unclean everywhere they went. Nobody, they were, they were outcasts. Didn't bother Jesus none. He stepped right into the middle of it, touched them. All these people, all these stories, Peter, Peter, left everything to follow him, was just like, Jesus, I got you, and then denies him, and then there's this, this turmoil in the inside of him in these days of like, I denied him, was it my fault? Did I, was I the one that actually got him killed? And now I'll never see him again, my friend. John, John called himself the one whom Jesus loved, not because he was arrogant, 
because he realized just how loved he was. Just how loved we are. I'm the one that Jesus loves because I finally found who loves me for me. And not only has Jesus gone now and he can't understand it, but now he's been asked to take care of Jesus's mother. And so he's caring for the grieving mother while trying to not grieve himself. And, and who knows what's going on there, but I, I, I have no words for you, Mary. I don't know what to say to you. I, I don't know why he's dead. This time in between the pain, the suffering of what they're going through, the grief, all of them had these moments with Jesus that changed their lives and now they're stuck, confused as to what's going on. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop but think about it over and over and over again. What is that like? If the story was just that Jesus had died and rose again, that would be enough. That would be amazing. We would look at it and say, wow, he did that for me. But there was time in between. There was tension in between. There was pain in between. And there's so many times that we don't want to acknowledge the pain. The time in between, the brokenness that we went through. The part of the story, we want to forget our brokenness before Jesus even. Or we don't even want to acknowledge our brokenness. We just don't want to go there. But that's our story and I couldn't help but think about my story, your story, that brokenness of when Jesus stepped into my life and it changed everything. You see, as we were reading it, where he said, where they say, all of a sudden they were filled with great joy. Yeah, because suddenly their story had changed. What they thought was the end suddenly had changed. We don't like to talk about the broken parts. Maybe because some of our brokenness we feel shame about, but Jesus wasn't ashamed of it. He's not ashamed of it. He's still not ashamed of it. I've grown up in church my whole life. And I know this because I know we do things like, I've heard things of like, I don't really like to talk about the cross that much. That's what was, I don't like to focus on it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about living in brokenness. He rose again to make us whole, that's the point, that's the good news. I'm not talking about living in brokenness. I'm talking about not forgetting about the fact that I was broken. I'm always in need of a savior. If I don't have Jesus, I don't have anything. But we've sung songs like Amazing Grace, which we are singing today. I remember when the words were amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, but we don't wanna say wretch because I'm not that bad. So we changed the words to someone. Makes me feel better. I was a wretch, guys. If I don't have Jesus, I still am. I still can't find my way. Songs like majesty, we don't like this part, majesty. Your grace has found me just like I am, empty-handed but alive and able. Don't say empty, 
as if I showed up, as if I brought something to the table. It's the story, this is, this, is, this is why we're here, not because it's just something good to read, it's because I was part of that three days in between, I was part of the story. You know, pregnant women, excuse me, women who've had babies, who've been pregnant, had babies. We all have a story, right? And we all go out for lunch or at a women's thing and we're sitting at a table and one person, one person brings up their birthing story. Every woman is geared up. It's like, I'm ready. When's my turn? We are, right? Women, we know. It's like our favorite thing. Like, let me tell you my story. And we know. We know every minute, every detail. We don't have to be like, what was it again? No, I know when I went from 10 minute contractions to five, I know where I was. I know what time I went to the hospital. I know what pain medication and when the nurses came in, when the doctor arrived and when the baby was born. I know everything and I will tell you it in detail. Not here. Maybe, just kidding. Okay, no, I'm kidding. But we know it. Why? Because there was pain and there was suffering. There was, it was traumatic that was happening in between. And what came out at the end was this gift that we knew it was all worth it. Can you imagine if the story was like, what's your story? Well, we had one night of magic and a baby came out. It's the story in between that makes the story worth it. Or if you've had near-death experiences, right? Like you just start from, okay, well, gear up, here we go. Because, because of the story. And I think sometimes that we try to separate ourselves from that pain, that brokenness. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Don't, sit, don't talk about the lost part. <laughs> And you know what I find happens? Is when we separate so far ourselves from the fact that we were broken, that we're always in need of a savior, is we somehow begin to work our, try to work for our own salvation. What can I do? I, I, I have to do more. I, I somehow can earn this. You can't earn it. You were broken. There was nothing you could do. Jesus shows up, changes your story. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. It's the gift. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So that none of you can boast about it. You can't earn this. For we are God's masterpiece and he created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the things he planned for us long ago. Galatians 2.20 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What am I trusting in God? Because he loved me. I'm trusting in that he loved me. 
and he gave himself for me. And I just found myself going over and over again, just thinking about it. Of the times where I suddenly kind of separate myself from it and I think that I've somehow, I'm doing good, God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good now, God. And I'm like, what? And the more that I live from that place, it's like I separate myself and I, I get into this place of trying to earn and trying to, trying to be something. No, I found you. I saved you. Without him, I am broken. So why do I try to make myself whole? Romans 4.25 says he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. It was always Jesus. It's Jesus right now. And it'll always be Jesus. Even if you don't know him right now, it's still Jesus right now. I, I promise you. I look back at my story. I look back at the times and I know it was, it was him. He was there. Let me read this. This is John. So John also, the book of John also tells the story of Jesus's death and burial. I read it from Luke. But this is, this is at the end of John. It's John 20. And, and he's just, he's telling why they tell the story. And this is what he says in verse 30. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written that, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. He says, we wrote all of these things. There's many more, but we wrote these things so that you would continue to believe. We wrote the stories of Mary, we wrote the stories of the woman at the well, we wrote the stories of the lame people walking, the blind seeing, we wrote the stories so that you would see that you have a story too, that, you, that, that, that Jesus died for you so that you would believe. And this is what I get, this is just, this is the kicker, this is John 21, so he says it one more time. But this is what got me, John 21 verse 25. Next chapter, this is the end, John says. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world would not contain the books that would be written. Seems simple. He did a lot of other things, but I suppose if they wrote them all, it would fill the whole world. And what got me in that statement was my story's in the middle of that. Your story's in the middle of that. Stories that keep going, they don't stop. They just keep going of where I was broken. I was a wretch. 
And Jesus stepped into the middle of it and saved me, is still saving me, will always be saving me. It was always him. It's still him. I can't live apart from him. Megan minus Jesus is broken. It's always him. And so I felt like this, this Sunday to just us take a moment and recognize whatever, whatever walk of life you're at. Maybe you're like, I don't know Jesus actually. I'm not sure about him. I promise you, I promise you from, from my own life, I don't know what I would do without him. Or maybe you've walked away from him. This is your story. This is your story. I like what it says where it's like, they didn't know what was coming. They, they thought it was over. You may think it's over. This is life. I guess this is how it goes. This is not over for you. Or maybe you've walked with Jesus your whole life and you're like, you know what, I'm recognizing that I have just been trying to earn his approval, just to earn my salvation. I somehow recognize that I have slipped into this. Don't separate yourself so far from the place that you were broken in need of a savior and he stepped into your story. I read Acts, which is right after, it's like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And Acts is, Jesus has just ascended. He died, he rose again. He spent time with the disciples and then he, he ascends. And then the Acts is the apostles, the disciples and all them, they start doing the work. They start going and telling all the world their story. That's what they're doing. They're, they're telling the good news. Man, let me tell you something. And the whole time I'm reading it, all you see is I just picture them. They've got these massive smiles on their face and they're just excited to tell the story from start to finish and they just want to go out and they want to touch people and they want people to be changed because he changed me. Like it says at the end of Luke, they were filled with great joy. Yeah. Because the story is good news. And that's why we're here today. He saved me, he saved you. Not because of what you could do or how perfect you could be or how much you could get it together. No, because he chose you, because he loved you and that's it. Because you, it's because you. But I'm not that great, no, it doesn't actually matter. He thinks you're great. He chose you. So I wanna go into communion today and as we, as we go in, I'm gonna let us all just do it on our own. You can, we'll, we'll go into a song in a moment here and, and while we go into the song, the ushers will pass out communion cups. There's a whole thing to doing it. I don't know what it is. I think you lift the top one and then you lift the second one after that. But I'm just let you do it with your family, if you're by yourself, just Jesus, just take that moment and just say, you know what, I recognize that I was lost. Or maybe you're there, I am lost. I don't know my way. 
I used to know you, I've never known you, or I've just lost my way entirely. I've known you my whole life and I've shut you off because I don't know, I lost the reality that I'm just loved by you and that you love me. I lost the reality of the good news is that I was in need of a savior and he saved me and that's it. If you don't know Jesus, just in the moment when you're doing the song, all you'd say is, I need you. Come into my heart. I believe that you're the one that saves and I need saving. As we go into the song, just thank him for the fact that I don't know where I'd be without you. I was broken. I must read this last verse in 1 Corinthians, verse 11, or chapter 11, it says, for I pass to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's like I gave it for you. This is my body. I gave it for you. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, for every time you eat the bread, you drink of the cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. It was Jesus, it is Jesus, and it'll always be Jesus. Ushers. Those words, man. Those four words. Then came the morning. Listen, I'm going to reiterate what Megan said. That's my duty right now in this moment. That if you're sitting in this room, it's not by accident. There's an open invitation for you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I'm sitting there as Megan's saying, talking about your story. And you can't help but start thinking about each and every time that Jesus stepped into your own life when you've made the decision. And my God, how many times he had to step into my life? Still am, Joan. But what a beautiful savior. What a beautiful man. That he would continuously step into every person's life that would let him. And still love us the same as he did when he hung for each and every person. And that just obliterates me. Yeah, whatever. 
So if that's you, I'm, I'm telling you, whatever mess you think you're in, I can probably say that I've been there. But Jesus is right there. And he's holding out his hand to you this morning. And he doesn't want you to live in that mess anymore. So if that's you, or you're watching online, I know your, your heart is probably feeling a lot like mine when I first made my decision. Where it's like you could feel something tugging on your heart that you don't and you probably won't fully ever understand. But the next step is to just say yes. And I can promise you, this, this person that you're seeing on the stage is not the same person that walked through the door of what is now Hope's home just about 15 years ago. And what a journey it has been. And I can't wait for the next 15 and the 15 after that because each year it's like this, this salvation, this gift. And, and I used to think of it, it was like, what an unfair deal it was for him. But it wasn't a deal. And I, I, and I got convicted as I was sitting there. It wasn't a deal. It's a gift. It's not a trade. It's a gift. There, there's, not, there's no mess I've done in the past that, that could take away from that gift. It's like what Megan was saying. It's a gift. So if that's you, just reach out and, and take the gift. And say these, these words. Megan already said them, but I'm going to say them again. Heavenly Father, I'm in need of a Savior. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I believe that you died for them, for me, and you rose again so that I could be reunited with my Father. I thank you for this free gift and I ask you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life and of my soul and every part of me that needs saving. You can have it all. You can have it all, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen and amen. And I can promise you if you prayed that for the first time, the best decision ever. Sometimes it's not easy. I tell you, your past is not easy to deal with sometimes. But the beautiful thing about this now is you have a companion who will never leave you. So just hold on to that when things get tough. Amen? Amen. Jesus is so good. He is so, so good. What a beautiful Savior. I'm done.
You guys have an amazing, amazing Resurrection Sunday. Spend some time with your family. We want to bless you at Embassy Church. Bless you, bless you, bless you big time. And may God be so intertwined in your week that it's just so painfully obvious that he is with you every step of the way. Amen? Have a great week. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.